you're beginning to sound like a separatist. Hello, welcome to the Weekly Song Podcast. This is episode 113, and uh, I'm Roger. And I've got a spoon in my eye. (laughs) And this is the show where we each write a song in the space of a week, and you know what we do, you've listened to the show before. But actually, then there's those people, you know, there might be like one new person who's like, what is this? And this is the episode they started with for some reason. I love the fact that you're having these thoughts on air, just like, uh, wait a minute, we must be respectful of our new listeners, said the person who introduced himself as having a spoon in his eye. I'm Declan. <laughs> I, think, I think that's the intro up to our usual level of quality, I feel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How are you? I am fine. Uh, the spoon has been removed from my eye, uh, so I am back to full healthy status again. Uh, and I got my first vaccination thingy, first jab. Did you? Yeah. How was it? I'm so happy. It was fine. Someone stabbed me in the arm. And I've, it was painful for a day. How d- and now it's, now it's better. How did you get yours so early? You're like a young, healthy man. Uh, it's because I am 28. And I think late 20s in some areas of the UK are now getting theirs. It's like done on a area-by-area area basis. So just in the place where I live, which is on the outskirts of Bristol... Uh, they must have just got down to the 28 because the other people I was with uh, having my vaccination with were also 28. Nice. Oh, that's good. I bet you feel good. It must feel like a step towards um, liberation. A step <laughs> a step towards being who I truly want to be. <laughs> a step back to normal. So, yeah, all happy. Now i just got to wait for about, what, is it uh, eight weeks to pass and then I can get stabbed again. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. Oh, that's great. That's great news. And hopefully you can be stabbed twice uh, shortly as well. I'm going to keep using this metaphor until one of us reacts to it. He said, st- you said stabbed. That's so funny that you said stabbed. Because it's like with a there dagger, but just it's actually a needle. You see, the thing is, this is just him trying to shut it down. And now that he's made that effort, I will just continue. If ever the subject of vaccinations comes up on a songwriting podcast <laughs> again, um, unlikely as that may be, it is just going to be stabby stabby from now on. Stabby stabby. I know how your mind works, Roger, and you know how mine works. It's like, <laughs> and you know that I will hold myself to this. We're like those those <laughs> kung fu people. That is not the right way of putting that. We're like those martial artists <laughs> who are, are so good they both know each other's like attacks and they know how to defend. Like the fight is already done in their heads beforehand. Yeah. Well, All that needs to be done is execute the moves. We're playing like sort of mental chess, but with the word stabby stabby. <laughs> Um, this is like the longest intro we've ever done and like the least to do with the actual subject of the podcast but I really don't mind that's fine we'll keep it in keep on rolling I'm rolling I'm rolling baby Um, rolling 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 Uh, talking of rolling uh, songwriting challenge not quite Uh, but uh, (laughs) uh, we normally write a song in seven days bring them to the podcast and show them and this season we have been doing challenges and our challenge for this week was roll and rock, or rock and roll, however you prefer. I like how you pulled that back around. I was like, why is he saying, speaking of rolling, and then you brought it all the way around like I knew you would? Uh, it just shows to show I'm a professional. A professional... Cod pastor. Cod pastor. That's kind of cool. I like that. I like spoonerism. That has to be our official job title from now on. I Hello and welcome to your cod pastor. <laughs> Sounds like we're like <laughs> like priests of dick or something. <laughs> I dropped a spoonerism in my eye. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, what Declan just said is true. Um, and... We're all so idiots, which explains a lot of what you've heard over the past five minutes. Also, if you are that person who's like, oh, I just found this episode. Maybe you found it based on the title. Because, I mean, a little tiny digression here. Sometimes I've found podcasts based on the title. I remember I found my... Well, I, mean, I don't listen to it anymore, but this podcast called Tuesdays with Stories. I found it based on searching Seinfeld into the podcast app. And they had an episode with the title... With an episode title with Seinfeld in it. That digression was longer than I thought it would be. But the point is... I've forgotten the point, but what I was... The point is, we're not always like this. 
No, the, what the point? Oh, yeah, yeah. We we had, like, this is, like, week three of season 12. And then the first week we had Motown. The second week we had TV theme, like, write a song like a TV theme. And they had, like you said, it's rock and roll this week. Yeah, which is kind of interesting because it's a very simple genre, but it's also very distinctive. And you you want to try and be original, but you also want to try and be of the genre. I feel like I kind of... Yeah, I think with all of the challenges so far, I've really missed the mark. And not in like a bad way, but just in the sense of like, I didn't, I wrote a rock and roll song this week, but it just went too far. Do you know what I mean? Like it went too far in like a a modern direction or something. I mean, that's the thing. We can't help this because we live in the modern age. We are clearly the most modern men uh, writing 50 style songs in 2021. Um, Mine is a grime verse. (laughs) <laughs> it's what Elvis would have wanted <laughs> That's a good title <laughs> Actually, I like the way that title's got to do with the um, the theme of the week And the Motown one did too um, yeah. Here we are just patting ourselves on the back for, for really amateur podcasting We're so clever <laughs> um, But yeah God, I do, I do worry if you're a new listener And you were like five minutes in and we've not actually got to the songs yet I tell you what, I, I I know, right? I did have a, a thought the other day. I, I listened to Wax's podcast. Wax is a rapper who I listen to, and he has his, uh, his own podcast. And I was listening to his podcast, and it's good, but it's like it's really laid back. And I then I listened to an episode of ours when I was editing it, and I was like, I'm so like uptight on the podcast. Uptight. Check it and see. I got a fever of a hundred and three. Um. But maybe maybe Indeed. there's an argument for being a little bit uptight so you don't go on rambling digressions into whatever your mind thinks of. Eight minutes later, we get to the music. Because <laughs> I don't know what people like. Do people like our banter or do they just, are they just like, right, Declan Rogers, shut up and just like talk about the actual songwriting? Just get on with it. <laughs> for, for, for those aggressive, gritted teeth people, um, I guess we should jump into the song. Um so I wrote a rock and roll song, but it's, like I say, kind of a little bit m- more modern. But I'll talk about like how it was rock and roll, I guess. Um, let me just grab the old lyrics. Um, it's called um, Long Time Listener, First Time Caller. No, you're not. You're the podcast host. What are you talking about? Um, and it goes a little something like this. First time caller But I've been listening for a long time I've been tuning into your frequency And now you've got me on the end of your line At first I heard your voice And now I picture your face in my dreams You see it's harder to mix when you're out in the sticks But with you it's not as bad as it seems Out there, out there on the airwaves Spreading for miles and miles around I don't care if it's delusion I believe what I want to believe When the record comes out of the sleeve And the needle skips directly to my heart First time caller You know I'm never gonna touch that dial I don't care what you play in that really start to make me smile And if you're free tonight I got a feeling we would get along We could stop for a bite at the diner tonight If I'm not coming on too strong Directly to my heart 
first time caller I got a record that I'd love you to play It's an upbeat tune about the light of the moon And love until the break of day I've been trembling You know that it's strange to hear your voice so clear And my radio light's a little brighter tonight As I'm pressing the phone to my ear Yes, I'm pressing the phone to my ear So that was Roger's song, uh, Long Time Listener, First Time Caller. I hope I've got that the right way got around. Right. Yes, I have. Success! Hurrah! Haru! Hurrah! All right, Nixon. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, that sounds... I was saying to you in while we were listening to it, it sounds very 50s, but also very 70s, but also very modern. Like, it's this lovely meshing together of, like, three distinct eras. But it's definitely a rock and roll song. It's got, like, loads of that feel in there. Uh, what was your starting point when you had, were faced with the challenge of writing a rock and roll song? Well, like, it's got to be one, four, five, isn't it? In some regard. That's the rules, yeah. And then there's that thing of, like... Like, when I think rock and roll, the first thing I think is, like, playing a power chord on the guitar... And then playing a six on top of the five, um, which sounds like this. And it's just like that sound is rock and roll, isn't it? I mean, it survived beyond 50s rock and roll to be a mainstay of 70s rock and roll and ended up finding its way into metal in the 80s and it's still around if you hunt for it. People, it's only now beginning to sound like cliche and dated. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I do kind of get a kick out of doing that ding 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 thing in like a kind of modern way because like like you say it's so cliched it's so like you know overused. But it's only just becoming so like it's only just becoming like so cliched that it's worth avoiding it if reasonably possible. Definitely, and I, I think it's like kind of towing that line somehow so like when i first started like i started with the verse you know first time caller ding, 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 you know classic rock for like the first two bars it's like a rock and roll song um of the mm. verse i mean and then i was like okay at that point i was like at a crossroads do i go up to the four and then do the same you know rock and roll rhythm there and then go back to the one and just do it basically shall i do a 12 bar blues song and that was like it was an option and there's nothing wrong with that but it's just like, am I going to do that or am I going to try something different? And I think I tried something different and, like, it's still based around 1, 4, and 5, but there's, like, there's, like, a major 2 in there. So, like, the song's an E major and I've got, I've got an F sharp major in there. So the, the 2 is a major when you play that, um, I think, at every point in the song. So, like, that gives it that kind of 70s feel where it's like, oh, what's that chord sort of thing. We might be returning to the concept of the major 2 at some point. I love the major 2. It's so uplifting. It's, it, it's it's a really lovely it's a really lovely one to sneak in there if you can. Definitely, I, I just think it changes. Like I think it's like one of the easiest chords that you can use to like make something sound different. You know what I mean? Like if you if you've got a song that's an E and you're like playing E A and B and then you put an F sharp major in there, it's like even just that playing it once just changes up the, the feel. Hmm sort of adds a wee bit of ambiguity but positive ambiguity airy ambiguity light ambiguity exactly uh so like uh so it is kind of just more or less like based around that dun, 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 and sort of expanded out from that then yeah basically there's quite a lot of sections to this one then so how did how did they come about um well, i had well once i got the the verse down like the basic like um, I like the way before the song I was like, oh, I'm going to grab my lyrics and I've lost them again. No, they're here. Um, <laughs> so I came up with the verse um, and I just came up with one verse lyrically. So I just came up with like, 
you know, the music for First Time Caller. I've been listening, uh, but I've been listening for a long... What is it? But I've been listening for a long time. I've been trying... Uh, tune in to Frequency, and I've got you on the end of... Now, you've got me on the end of your line. Um, and then the rest of that first verse, there's two stanzas to that. And I just basically wanted to... Because st- I had, like, the idea for the lyric already. Like, I was, like, hoovering one day last week, and... Um, I just got in my head, I was thinking about something or other, and at first, uh, you know, long-time listener, first-time caller, it's like that classic thing people say when they phone a radio station. So I had kind of mm. the concept before I even had the music. So once I got the first first lyric down, I basically went, okay, I've got the music for that, so let me write the rest of the lyrics, like, you know, the next day or something. And so from there, I was like, I don't just want to go straight into the first-time caller, because I knew I wanted that to be kind of like, you know, really pared down, just like one electric guitar and one vocal. So mm. I was like, what can I do for an intro? And then what I ended up doing was I kind of did this like counter melody thing that you can play. Whenever I play a 12-bar blues with, with anyone, if I'm jamming with anyone, I will play this turnaround to get back from B, the fifth, to E, the first, um, which is to go... It's like a, a da- like a descending melody and an ascending melody. Um, the descending melody goes, and then the ascending melody goes. And you play them together, and that's basically what the intro of the song is. So, but it's like slowed down. So like. I guess that's kind of what makes it sound a little bit modern. So instead of going ding, da, ding, da, ding, da, ding, da, ding, da, ding, ding, which is originally what I had in mind, it like like stretches out. So like all of those measures are doubled. So like ding, 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 like that. So then I have my intro and I have my kind of like pre-solo bit too. And then the chorus is like I kind of got the tune and, and the basic vibe for it first. You know, the sort of like, out there, out there on the airwaves, our love spreading for miles and miles around. And it's like, that was kind of just like a melody in my head. And it's just like finding the chords to match that. And um, they're actually pretty simple. Like, that's just going up to, um, what are you going up to? It's going up to the four, so you go on A major. Out there, out there on the airwaves, back, back to the E. And then it's kind of, kind of, when it does the backing out there on the airwaves, it goes A-E, like that, so just 4-1. I think it's kind of, it's a lot of the same, I think it's actually the exact same chords in the chorus as it is for the verse. Um, you got that F-sharp major in there again at certain points, and also a C-sharp minor, which is also in the verses, just to add that kind of, like, sad colour to it. Not sad, but, you know, like, it, adding in a minor chord kind of changes up the feel a little bit. Mm, yeah. Um... I feel like musically, yeah, you're right in saying that there are quite a lot of sections and stuff, but um, it's weird this week. It's like with the rock and roll thing, even though I didn't do a 12-bar blues thing, the music was almost an afterthought because the like the lyric and like the feel of the thing kind of came first. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of interesting like approaching uh, these challenges is that sometimes you do get just like a feel for what the song is going to be to start off with. Like for the Motown one, I sort of knew the beat roughly the speed roughly the feel it was just a case of sitting down to write the damn thing Um, which is kind of similar with this one because rock and roll or at least 50s rock and roll has such a specific sound or it has two specific sounds really but like the guitar Mm. one is what everyone like goes to first yeah definitely um i know what you mean for the the two different sounds that's very true um yeah, I, I don't know. It's um, it's it's weird, isn't it? Like you say, when you start writing for a, for a theme week, I, I it's kind of like I'm paraphrasing like enormously, but Peter Gabriel said something like, "Working within restrictions is actually a good thing for a songwriter." Like if if somebody says write anything you want, it's a bit more difficult than if somebody says, you know, write something that's uh, you know, 120 BPM, 3-4 time signature, and only uses strings or something like that. Like, he said that's a lot easier in a way because then you you have, like, a certain palette to work within. And I think with yeah. rock and roll, it's so that. It's like, you know, you know your rhythm's going to be something along the lines of ding-ding-dan, of ding-ding-dan, of ding-ding-dan, uh, which it kind of implies, like, what your subject matter might be vaguely, you know? Yeah, it's kind of the tone, like, leading on to lyrics. 
and like the rest of the content of the song. It's kind of interesting. It's like that idea of if you're ever stuck with a difficult decision, get someone else to make it for you because you immediately know what you want to do once you're given limitations. <laughs> That's so true, yes. Yes, definitely. I, uh, sorry, I cut you off there. No, I was just going to say this is like completely um, off topic, really. But but to that point, I had an example of that the other day. Um, Amy came over, my, my sister, and uh, we went to the uh, shop. And I was like, which beer shall I get? Shall I get this one or this one? And I couldn't decide. She was like, flip a coin. And I flipped the coin. And I was like, damn, I wanted the other one. <laughs> and, uh, and she was like, well, that's why you flipped the coin. So basically, to your point. It breaks the uh, indecision paralysis. Exactly. But uh, I kind of I like the uh, lyrics for this one. There's a lot of, like, continue again with, like, we know that we're coming into this, like, 50s rock and roll stuff. So there's, like, themes of, like, you know, calling up the radio, like, uh, when the record goes out the sleeve and the needle goes into my heart, like, uh, meet you with a diner if I'm not coming on too strong, etc. Like, how much of that is sort of in there because it's 50s weekend? How much of that is there because it's what you wanted to tell within the story of the song? That's if good, that's not too weird a question. That's a really good question, actually. Um, I think kind of like a lot of column A and a lot of column B. Um, <laughs> so it's like, um, I think this is a weird one for me lyrically, actually, because like usually my songs are kind of like vague and metaphorical and they're about my feelings and stuff. Whereas with this one, it's like, you know, it's rock and roll week. It's... Um, I want to write something that's like... Because rock and roll songs are direct, you know what I mean? Like lyrically, they're... They're just like, it's about this. And it's like, this doesn't really take much guesswork. Not to say there isn't interesting wordplay and metaphor or something, but like, as far as like, what's this about? There's not really any question mark over that with a lot of rock and roll. No one's ever like done a Bohemian Rhapsody style analysis on like classic rock and roll songs because they don't need to. Because like you say, the intent is clear, even if it's hidden behind uh, word games and things like that. It's like, uh, what does Jailhouse Rock mean though? It means sex. Does it? I mean, rock is basically... Uh, if you hear any 50s rock and roll song, like, I want to rock, uh, I want sex. And, like, it's all about, like, I'm throwing this party in the uh, jailhouse. Uh, number 37 said in the number three, you're the cutest jailbird I ever did see. Let's do the jailhouse rock tonight. Oh, my God. <laughs> I can hear your mind blowing. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to go. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a lot of thinking to do. Yeah, but that Elvis seems such a nice boy. <laughs> oh my God, him wiggling his hips makes so much sense now. It's that, uh, uh, well, that's part of the controversy of the early days of rock and roll, isn't it? And I just figured out because what rock and roll means too. Yeah, because oh it's, like, it's like sexual music for teenagers. Like, uh, at the beginning of, like, uh, sexual freedoms of the 1950s and 1960s, like, teenagers didn't exist. Like, the rebellious teenager did not exist before then. Yeah, people just went straight from 12 to 20. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Well, no, it's kind of that thing, like, you were just a boy and then you were a man. You were never a teenager. Right, right, yeah, yeah. So, like, you'd expect to be, like, more responsible and go into, like, family business or, like... Uh, go away and study further education seriously because that's clearly what everybody did in the past. Um, <laughs> but once you have like forms of expressions by teenagers for teenagers, then you begin to have the first chinks in the armour that leads to the uh, liberation of youth in the 60s, which then leads to our moral corruption of today. Good old moral corruption of today. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, where were we? <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know, and I don't mind. Actually, I do know. We were on like the lyrics of it. Yeah, so the lyrics were going to be like direct, and uh, so yeah, I think it helped that the title came first, and that it was rock and roll week. Because once I got the title, um, the thing is, the title the title didn't actually have any meaning when I thought of it in my head. Like long time listener, first time caller, I was just like, that's a good title for something. Like I was maybe yeah, going to use a strong use a, set of words. I was maybe going to use it for like you know, I don't know, outside the season or something like that. It wasn't even necessarily for now. Um, plus, I just like sayings. Well, not sayings, but like you know, uh, popular terms idioms of phrase. and phrases. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, anyway, so I just kind of got this image in my head of um, 
of a person, lonely person, um, you know, living in the middle of nowhere, um, and, you know, just listening to the radio every night. And it's, I thought that was very 50s. In fact, actually, I'll tell you what influenced it a little bit was, have you ever seen a film, I think it came out in 2020, last year, called um, uh, The Vast of Night, or Vast of the Night? No. Well, it's um, it's well worth a watch. It's a, it's a sci-fi movie um, set in the 50s, which was... I didn't know it was until I watched it, and it was, like, really kind of fed it. And that was the night I wrote the song, actually, after I watched the movie. Um, it's about these two teenagers in, like, 50s America, um, in this small town, who both work in radio in one respect or the other. And the, the one... The, the, the guy, he, um, he runs a radio show, like a really small radio show. And uh, the girl... She runs a switchboard and she works with like the radio equipment in there. And then the two of them are kind of like really good friends. And uh, a UFO lands or not land. Well, it does land eventually. Actually, no, it doesn't. It floats, but that doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> a UFO parks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, the, the point of this is that they were talking over the radio the whole thing. And it was like, like looking at their sort of like. Well, it was kind of cool actually because it was like, it's not like they were boyfriend and girlfriend, but there was like a chemistry there, and just watching their chemistry like play out over the radio because they were like radioing each other, each other. Like at the beginning of the film, mm. they're together, and then they radio each other. And I just thought of like that as kind of like really romantic and nice. And um, so, uh, but then I, then when I started writing the lyrics, like I started like writing them quite sincerely, like you know, this person loves this other person, like the listener loves the. DJ, basically. I was thinking, oh, that's so nice, that's so nice. And the more I wrote the lyrics, I just kind of started writing through. And then, like, by the time I got to lines like, um, you know, um, I'm never going to touch that dial, which is quite extreme, and things like, you know, if you're free tonight, I've got a feeling we, we would get along. I, I thought, it's becoming kind of creepy, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's gone over that line of, like, a love song into something that's, like, a bit, like, Ew. you know, so I thought I'll embrace that, and I'll kind of, like, that, that's when I wrote the chorus of, like, I don't care if it's delusion, like, this kind of, like, crazy, unrequited love sort of thing. So that's something, like, darker than the uh, initial image would appear. Yeah, yeah, and it kind of... Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know how good of a job I did of this, but, yeah, it, like, develops over the course of the song. Like, at the beginning, it's like, oh, that's nice. And at the end, you're like, you'd want to stay away from that, that caller, you know? <laughs> so is that kind of why it ends on that, unresolved uh sort of build up to sort of uh like get this sort of tension or get this sort of feeling of like oh god i've you know i've been i've gone too far or like oh my god he's saying some really weird things i need to get out of here now um i'll say yes just because it makes me sound smart but no that wasn't like an intended thing but that's kind of cool that it does actually i suppose I mean, it sort of feels, if you were to make a concept out of this, that feels like it'd be the logical place to stop off. Like, if this is, uh, like, the person calling into the radio show, the next one might be from the host perspective saying, like, yeah, we had a really weird caller. <laughs> <laughs> Block that number. <laughs> yeah, there's actually no requests on the show from now on. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I just play all the music I want to play, which is just one record. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Marty Wilde, here we go again. <laughs> I, I tell you one thing that like sort of struck me with this is like because I usually write with loads of like vagueness and like trying to like I kind of use the Elliot Smith um, uh, ethos of like lyrics should be one half of a conversation, the listener kind of fills in the other half, and so it's sort of like delivers the emotion rather than the information um but with with this one i think what i kind of learned was like if you have like a strong concept in mind to begin with um, i'm not saying like mine was a strong concept but i just mean like it's like a classic thing isn't it like um someone like someone else who they aren't with you know um having that in mind makes you like deliver like a, a narrative and i've never really done that properly before so i think that was kind of a good learning curve for me not to get too ahead of ourselves, but this is something that we're going to come back to uh, for uh, my song this week. Okay. And it's kind, it's kind of been like a running theme throughout the three weeks we've been doing this so far. Most of the, the three styles that we've chosen so far tend to rely more on telling 
stories than they do describing emotions. Well, Swept Me Off My Feet, um, which was your uh, Motown song, is like, I mean, I, you know, at the t- even at the time I was like, <laughs> even at the time, no, at the time I was like, you know, it's... Oh, those, those halcyon days of a fortnight ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I just say like the, the sort of cr- chronology and the narrative of that, yeah, works really well. And did you do like, you. Like, something like that for TV theme as well? I can't remember what your lyrics were like. Uh, it's sort of like this mini implied thing of like... Uh... Oh, Penelope is dancing with this dangerous person. Oh, but she got away. It's nothing big because it's got to fit on the end of a TV show. But, like, there's this sort of sense for scene being created. I like that you do that because, like, you, you, your lyrics actually make sense, whereas mine are, like, just... I don't know. I'm not trying to put myself down, but, like, they can be a bit vague, you know? Well, like you say, it's a wheelhouse you normally operate in, like, one half a conversation. Like, you know, these are... We're not poets. We're not storytellers all the time we're just trying to communicate emotion that's what art is there to do it just so happens that this week you've chosen to do it through a more narrative lens which is unusual for you but it's it it works i'm definitely going to try doing stuff like writing from a character's perspective more often that's Um, fun that's really fun to do that i just think it liberates you a little bit to be it's funny because it's like it's almost paradoxical like it liberates you to write more broadly, but then actually by writing more broadly, you can be more emotional, actually have more of a catharsis. Mm. Well, the thing is with created characters as well, like you know exactly what makes them tick, whereas you can't always figure out what's going on in your own head. So if you're feeling like, say, depressed or something and you write about it in song, but you don't know why, mm. you can't pin a cause to it, you can't create a narrative necessarily. Whereas if, for example, you've got a character who has just broken up with their long-term partner or you know uh, they've suddenly been abandoned in a strange wilderness you know exactly what's causing the issue so you can sort of make sure everything relates back to that definitely yeah you have like it's like watching a movie isn't it like you're watching the character and like that character is like in their predicament but you can go these are their problems these are their like motives all that kind of thing yeah, a good character-driven movie will ideally tie its plot events and its plotting into the central wants and needs of the character. Yeah, like, like you say, a like, good movie will do that. Yeah, not all movies do it. But, <laughs> no. uh, but like, for example, in Disney's Aladdin, which is a great movie, and if anyone does not think that, I will fight them. Um, uh, Aladdin's want is that he wants to escape his life of poverty and to be respected and the thing he needs to do is stop telling lies and that's a consistent theme throughout the movie so all of his problems keep coming back to the fact that he lies to everyone that's and the moment he starts telling the truth or works out how to lie to his enemies but be truthful to the people who matter at that point he is set free that's really true actually um also, Thank you, Lindsay Ellis, for uh, <laughs> explaining that one in a video essay once. That's not the first time you said you'd fight the audience either. <laughs> I mean, what can I say? I feel strongly about certain things. I, I don't. I won't die on many hills, but you know, Aladdin <laughs> pick, is one of them. Aladdin is one of them. I pick my battles. <laughs> oh man, um, should we listen to you your got song? So off topic. Uh, I suppose we should do at some point, shouldn't we? Uh, anything else you have to say about your song before we move on? Um, no. Okay. Well, I do. I just want to point out, I do love the little uh, summertime blues uh, reference you got. No, the dun 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 dun. That sort of comes in. I think that's cool. Uh, one more fifty string to that bow, I guess. <laughs> But it's a good song. It's like I said at the beginning, it's a melding of like the 50s, the 70s and now. And it's this glorious combination. Oh, thank you. That's really nice of you to say. Um, right. Uh, on to yours. I was going to say, so uh, we're going to listen to Declan's song now. Uh, tell us about your 50 song. Uh, my 50 song, my rock and roll song is a lot shorter than Roger's. <laughs> um, it's called All the Other Fellas. And it goes like this. Why should I be worried, working in a hurry? Gonna see my baby tonight. 
Cause all the other fellas like them Rockefellers And my pocket is feeling pretty light Walking every hour just to buy sweet flowers Saving for a fancy meal When all the other guys don't have to wait in line Seems I've hit a pretty raw deal Saving every penny and I don't get any Just to give a little surprise Saving every pound always gets me down Till I see the look in his eyes Hope he doesn't get to see my jeans for a bed As scruffy as it is long And all the other traps always look so dapper Wish they had to live this song Hope he doesn't mind as we walk the line Couldn't pay the fare for the bus all the other stars in their fancy cars Pass by and I wish it was us If I'm to win the heart I'm gonna listen to Marx The workers shall unite But can we get the protest done By a half past one Cause I've got a day tonight After that day my guy pays a bill Pays for the taxi too Says why don't we make the evening Even better It's free and it only needs you Wonder aloud, how was I so lucky if I might be so bold? He said, all the other fellas only think they're clever, but you're worth your waiting go. All the other fellas think they're all so clever, but you're worth your waiting go. Okay, that was... Let me just chill that again. What? <laughs> that was... Okay, y'all, that was All the Other Fellas. That's Declan's rock and roll song. I uh, really like it. It's uh, it's more rock and roll than mine was. Um, it's lyrically... At the expense of being more, <laughs> uh, less harmonically interesting. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, it's... I was just, I was like trying to figure out the chords as we were listening to. It. I think the li- lyrics are really good on it, and I think you 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 didn't like use the diner and stuff like that um, in in terms of like naming fifty stuff, but just like the way you speak in the song, if that makes sense, just sounds super fifties. Uh, Thank you. So how how maybe did maybe that start? just means I'm so old fashioned? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it started off uh, with a conscious decision to avoid the twelve bar blues, but also. That's kind of a little bit essential that you need to hit on one, four, and five because they're the big elements of rock and roll songwriting from the 50s, or at least guitar-driven rock and roll songwriting from the 50s. So the song that kind of inspired the chord structure a little bit, which is going to sound weird, is Jerry Lee Lewis, Great Balls of Fire. You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain Too much love drives a man insane You broke my wheel, but what a thrill I thought it might be for some reason. I was actually going to say that. Because uh, the thing that I like about that song is that uh, you have uh, Shape by Love, uh, one up to four, up to five, down to four, back to one. But I like that five to four thing. So, what I did to be really sneaky and put my own spin on it so that I can't be done for copyright is up to five. Down to four, back up to five, and then to one. (laughs) (laughs) Your honour. And then there is a cheeky little major second in there as well, just to make it sound a wee bit unusual. Uh, But Major seconds, second time of the show. Yeah, second time of the show for a major second. Uh, We should have some sort of award that happens if this happens, like, (laughs) per podcast. (laughs) But... um, I was also trying very deliberately to keep the chords simple because this would have been written on guitars back in the day, etc. So it would need to be simple chords. So the chords are G, A, C, and D because they're all simple. You can sort of do that sixth on-off movement on them quite easily. Mm. And then it's just got a load of runs between them. Just to give it a bit of movement and to rip off Jerry Lee Lewis even more. Can, can I just ask, like, for the guitarists out there, and for me as well, mostly, um, uh, when you're playing that G, A, C, and D, are you playing, like, open chord shapes or are you playing, like, power chords? I'm playing cowboy chords. Right, 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 right. Uh, just because I... Honestly, I find it really difficult to do the sixth on and off thing on power chords. So I've had to fudge uh, ways of doing it with the cowboy chords or variations upon them. 
Okay, right. Because I'm a bad guitarist. That isn't true. I mean... (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so that kind of took that up. And then I was sort of thinking about the structure of most rock and roll songs. And, like, either they are just about rock and roll sex um, and, like, generally having a good time and good vibes and all of that. Uh, But some of them are structured very much as like set up and punchline they're not comedy songs but they've definitely got like a through line to them like two in particular that i was uh thinking of were things like 20 flight rock where like it's the same chorus but like the singer is getting more and more distressed about having to go up these flights of stairs <laughs> uh and like uh oh i literally just had it chuck berry no particular place to go i stole a kiss at the turn of a mile Curiosity running wild Cruising and playing the radio mm. Where it's like a really nice evening And then their safety bells get stuck So they have to go home <laughs> <laughs> um, So I thought, okay, right I want to do a story that goes somewhere And there's some sort of twist at the end Right, uh, it's not okay gonna be like, It's not going to be the world's biggest twist or anything But it's fine so um, I sort of had a scatty lyric going a bit do 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 and I just had uh, that line jump into my head of all the other fellas like them rocker fellas. I was just thinking like, yes, <laughs> that works. <laughs> this, yeah, that's a thing. That's strong. Um, but it also kind of uh, immediately with that line, you know exactly what the story is. You know what the twist is going to be. And it's also kind of a song that I've wanted to write for a while. So the core, the core concept of the story is that it's a guy who's taking someone on a date, but they're broke. So they can't afford to take them uh, to fancy dinner in a nice car. They can't afford to like treat them well, can't afford to do this, that, or the other. And the singer is just getting jealous of all these other guys who have the money and means to do that. But he doesn't. That's a great concept. Which you got the big twist at the end. Then is like the guy, the uh, you know, the guy that um, the singer is taking out, actually pays for it all. Doesn't mind. They have sex because it's free. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the you know the thing is like, yeah, I don't like you for money. I like you because you're a nice bloke. I like so, that. I like that a lot. That's. That's actually really original. I like that a lot as a concept. I've never heard a song that does that before. Oh, thank you. Um, but then also, once you've got the... Because all them other fellas like them Rockefellers, you automatically know what the rhyming structure's then got to be for the rest of it. Yeah, right. Uh, so it's got to be all the other synonym for men. Uh, and then like it's got to rhyme with that at the end. And then the first line has got to keep that rhyming structure but be different rhymes. So, so, so like to a, it kind of writes itself after a little bit, but it's just thinking of the thinking of the bits that go where. It's like fill in the blank in a way. A little bit, yeah. Once you know where you're going and where you're going to end up, it's just a case of pacing yourself until you get to the end. Um, there are some clunky lines in there. Like I was thinking as I was listening back to it, uh, all the other chaps, or they look so dapper. Uh the reason Chaps is there is because I wanted to put Dapper in there. Um, but yeah, it works fine. I don't even think that's like... It, I don't think that even it, raises an eyebrow. It works, but like I was literally thinking through as I was listening to it, like, you could do a better rhyme, because all the other Chaps, oh, they look top class. It's very English, that's all I'd say. Yeah. Like, because like, rock and roll is like so quintessentially American to say Chaps in a rock and roll song is kind of funny. Well, that's kind of... The thing that, with rock and roll being so quintessentially American, there are two slightly naughty things that I wanted to do in the <laughs> lyrics to this one. Okay. Uh, so, uh, obviously, 50s rock and roll is youth rebellion music, and it's kind of Americana, it's in the spirit of that, but it emerged in the era of quite a conservative period for America. Like, you know, it's a rebellion against that, but through no fault of its own due to the area it's in it's kind of absorbed some tendencies and just because of the fact that it happened way in the past and the past was a terrible place for certain kinds of people and certain kinds of ideas Mm. so uh, like 
the, the, the clever among you might have noticed that it's a song about a guy taking a guy out to lunch, which I didn't try and put too much of that in there. Not to, you know, it's not like, oh, listen to this, I'm going to do this. But it, it's just kind of subtly there, mm. just like, if you pick up on it, it's fun. And then also, like, the <laughs> this is a stupidest set of lyrics I've ever written, <laughs> but I love them. Um, uh, it's the second break, which we'll get to the chords of that in a minute, but, like, the second break. If I'm to win the heart, I've got to listen to Marx. The workers shall unite. But can we get the protest done by half past one because I've got a date tonight? Oh, uh, <laughs> I love the rhyming scheme of that, let alone the actual what it's saying. That's so good. But I love the fact that obviously this was the beginning of the Cold War era. So obviously anything to do with Russia, anything to do with communism, just absolute taboo, no go. That's like so the funny. amount of films that then use communism as subtext for evil or like codify communism as evil in and of itself, despite the fact that the Russian communist regime was evil. But that was due do more with the people running it than the idea itself but i just love the fact that this americana song has like man love and communism in it that's <laughs> hilarious i love it it's it's a <laughs> it's me being cheeky but i love it that is the cheekiest song you've ever written oh i i, I make myself uh blush with with wonder um but yeah <laughs> the thing with those uh word game songs and the thing with most rock and roll songs is that the chords don't tend to change that much. So it's like six verses of that same chord progression that I mentioned earlier. But you need to break it up somehow. Uh, so most rock and roll songs tend to do this with like an instrumental break. Some of them do it with B sections. So I decided, right, I'll have a B section and it starts on the four because it has to. Mm. That's the rules. It's rock and roll week. Come on. Come on. And then it went slightly weird chordly, where after you get that uh, C, it goes down to a B flat and then to an F. It's Ooh. like you're implying you're in F major. And then it does the same thing again. It goes back up to C, but then it goes to B flat and then to D, which is the fifth of G, which is the key you're in. It's like your pivot. Yeah, so like... Like you're going back to it, you're like, nope, yank you back to the song. Oh, that's so cool. I love that you kind of like like lingering f for a second and then yeah that's really cool it just kind of helps mark it out like this is a different section we are returning to the main section can i just say as well like how much <laughs> how much um it, just including those non-diatonic chords um and i'm not just even talking intellectually here but listening to the song because i didn't know what the chords were it just modernizes it so much it's like you know we, we always talk about oh non-diatonic chords this and that and you know but it does make a massive difference to like even what era you'd play something in. Because up until that B section, you go, oh, it's a 50s song. And then like when that, when that happens, you go, oh, when's this from? Because the thing is, when we were talking about rock and roll songs, we both kind of instinctively went for like the 50s era rock and roll, which is more guitar-led and it's more, it's more simple, it's more direct. Uh, but it is less harmonically complex than later rock and roll would be. Look, even like... Uh, less than 10 years later to things like Pretty Woman, Oh Pretty Woman, which is uh, rock and roll still. But it's got these weird non-diatonic chords, it's a lot slower, the medium has progressed a bit more. So... You could easily go for that slightly more edging into croonery side of rock and roll. Mm. But that's not what everyone remembers. Like, when you say rock and roll, you think of Elvis. Yeah. You think of, like, the slowest song you think of is Heartbreak Hotel, and even that's, like, 12 bar. I mean... Well, it's not quite 12 bar, but it's nearly 12 bar. Yeah. I mean, in a way, it's like, how do we interpret the challenge, like, as a concept? You know, like... For me, like, these challenges have been, like, start with this, have something to talk about, like, this is, like, what, you know, these are the elements of rock and roll I took, but I just wrote a song. Or you could go, like, I'm writing an absolutely, it could have come out in 1955 song. Like, you know. Mm. I'm veering towards the latter, I think. But, uh, obviously, 
like we say all the time, because I'm a child of, you know, the 90s growing up to be, I'll be in my late 30s by the end of the 2020s. Like, I've just absorbed so many more influences due to the fact that I grew up around them and they're kind of ingrained in my brain. Well, we're the iPod generation, you know. It's, we, many genres have entered our brains. Yeah, but it's kind of true for everyone who was born after the 50s. Like, if you mm. suddenly go back and try and write a 50s song, like, look at people like, uh, for example, T-Rex. T-Rex's career is basically Mark Boland trying to write songs like they were written in the 50s. That suddenly makes so much more sense of a lot of his singles. But they're not 50s songs. They've got a lot of the elements, but they're definitely not 50s songs because mm. he's grown up, like, through that period... But he's also absorbed what the Beatles are doing. He's absorbed what David Bowie is doing. He's absorbed, like, fantasy lore and, like, uh, you know, he's absorbed fashion and, like, puts it all into this new vehicle. Yeah. So this is kind of, no matter what period you're born in, no one can ever go back to the relative musical purity of that time. That's such a good point. I mean, we touched on this in Motown Week, but just the idea of, like... Um, and we will return to your chords in a minute. Sorry, we have gone in a bit of digression, but... Oh, I've I've done all the chords. That's all the chords there are. Okay, sweet. Well, I mean, I was just thinking, like, with the Motown thing, um, well, just with any of the genres, it's like, I had this feeling of, I'm going to write a Motown song, and it will be exactly like the rest of the Motown songs. And you quite quickly discover, like, oh, I can't do it. Like, I, I'm trying, and I know intellectually what Motown, or I know what rock and roll, particularly rock and roll, because it's, like, quite basic really but then you try and do it and you go i can't do it and i think you just hit the nail on the head where you go why can't i do it because i have other influences yeah because we're not of that generation like even the way that we've like structured our lyrics although they may superficially resemble 50 songs so i just said like mine's got man love and communism in it yours is like <laughs> written from the point of view of a character in uh you know a radio station and there's this sort of weird dark subtext going on this weird obsessiveness which you wouldn't necessarily put front and center in a rock song cause, or a rock and roll song because they're very, for as, for as much as they're trying to get past the radar, they are very direct and they're kind of innocent in that. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, con I mean, not to go into music history here, but like music controversy has shifted a lot. Like, you could never have Marilyn Manson in the 50s for a very extreme example. Um, you know, so I think, you know, songs were cleaner back then, weren't they? Yeah. Well, you couldn't even have, like, um, just tonally, you couldn't have things like Jimi Hendrix, where you're beginning to experience, like, the outer limits of what guitar audio can do with the equipment they have available. Like, it has to be direct and energetic. Mm. And that was its key selling point. It's high energy music for you for young people like there's a great scene somewhere in madman's uh, madman season one which i cannot remember the episode but like they're listening they're in a bar and they're listening to some croonery music and they're having like this conversation and then a rock and roll record comes on and all the teenagers get up on the floor and start dancing and the ad men who are there just do not know how to process it <laughs> wow because it's a new world yeah it's like yeah it's a complete paradigm shift Mm. Um, it's true yes it's really true um, it's interesting as well I always think about this like when I listen to music particularly if I go through a phase where I listen to a lot of 50s music um, where you just go like why weren't they using other chords I mean obviously like there's so many things you could point to like it just wasn't being done and it wasn't like culturally like it couldn't be successful culturally or whatever but like didn't it occur to them to use like a major three sometimes or something like that you know <laughs> It very quickly turned into a business. That's the thing that happened. Right, and, and then they want to it, replicate, yeah. But also the thing is, it evolved from blues, which had kind of simplified away from jazz, which had gotten very complicated very quickly. So that you have your massive musicians go off and do jazz, but you have your soulful lot go out and do blues, and lots of rock and roll is stolen from blues music. Mm. So kind of this weird combination of influences that leads rock and roll to being very simple until you have a load of artists in the 60s who either try and get more mature themes into their songwriting as epitomized by Bob Dylan 
or you have artists who try and get more complicated chords or more complex tones into their songs as epitomized by the Beatles. Because mm-hmm. those are the only two acts from the 60s ever. <laughs> no one else did anything. It was just those two. I can't think of anybody else. Uh, no, no one else comes to mind. There, there were literally only two musicians in the 60s. God, they had a monopoly on that decade, <laughs> didn't they? It's a good thing Motown didn't exist in the 60s. I actually heard that um, I joke, I joke. Brian Epstein, he uh, actually had this thing where if anyone was caught with an amplifier or a guitar in their garage, he would actually have them put down. Well, yeah, well, it's kind of harsh, but it's just enforcing trademark law. Well, he had trademarked the concept of the pop band. <laughs> he, he owned the rights to guitars. <laughs> Leo Fender was Brian Epstein's bitch. <laughs> We cannot put that in. We cannot put that in. Oh, please. Come on. That's the funniest thing you've ever said on the podcast. Oh, oh if we must. Oh, dear. Ta-ra. <laughs> <laughs> so we have had an email this week from someone who has emailed into the podcast before, Ansley Hendricks. And she writes, Hi, Declan and Roger. First, I wanted to thank you so much for your feedback on my original song, So Easy, So Hard. I'm glad it brought hope and wasn't depressing. I think this was from last season, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. It's one of the... Just go back and listen to all of last season and you'll eventually find it. And you'll have experienced some good songwriting from Roger. Uh, I'm so excited for this season of the Weekly Song Podcast and I love the new theme and format of the show. I thought I'd share a song that I wrote a couple of months ago. It's called Shortcuts and it's all about good friends and good life advice. I really allowed myself to have fun with this one and just write from my happy place. One of my favourite hangout spots is the beach and so I wanted to reflect that in the melody. I wanted fast, calypso-inspired rhythms and a simple, laid-back melody. Again, thank you so much for your time listening to this and thank you for your podcast, Ansley Hendricks. Thank you very much for writing that one in. We do enjoy reading letters and it's good to hear that you're enjoying the new uh, sort of theme of the show for this season. Uh, Shall we get... The song up and ready. Let's do it. Yeah, let's take a listen to it. So this is Ansley Hendrix's song, Shortcuts. Finally done, I finally say what I really need to say. 
That was Shortcuts uh, by Ansley Hendricks. Uh, I really like it. Uh, I just want to say, Ansley, I think you have a, a really great melodic sensibility naturally. What you do with your improvisation, um, I, I presume it was to some degree improvisation after the choruses, was really interesting in the way you structured your melodies over the chords. I just love it. Really, really cool. Yeah, I just want to say, like, uh, you're sort of saying you want to write that one from a happy place and give this laid-back feel. I say mission accomplished. Like, uh, you can sort of tell it's done from a place of contentment and peace, and that's always lovely to listen to. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I think it's, yeah, it's really pure, um, which might sound a bit flippant, but I think that's actually quite a rare quality in music. Yeah, it's very easy to go, like, ironic or dark or, like, uh, you know, affected or you know uh like that but it's very difficult to just like be honest and honestly happy that's very difficult to do definitely yeah and it seemed to be like a lyric that came from like direct experience as well um which mm. you know write about what you know is kind of like you know one of the first rules of songwriting so i just thought that was great yeah thank you for sending that in that's awesome thank you very much for sending that one in that was lovely so that's it for this episode of the Weekly Song Podcast. Thank you very much for listening to us ramble on about whatever it is that we've rambled on about for the past hour or so. Hopefully you've enjoyed it. Uh, if you've written a song that you'd like to send into the Weekly Song Podcast, if you want to get in touch with us and let us know some thoughts and feelings that you have, uh, if you have your own opinions on what made rock and roll so great, despite it being so simple, then why not email us at weeklysongpodcast at gmail.com uh you can also find us on instagram youtube facebook uh various other things i presume i don't know we we might have some of them we might not uh just search with on podcast and if it comes up it exists there you go you found it <laughs> well done one out of one um roger where can they find you and your music in the digital sphere uh first kind of port of call i suppose um is Instagram. Uh, I've, I'm pretty active Ooh. on Instagram. Um, I post lots of stuff like me recording and writing and stuff like that. I have lots of videos. And also I just, um, I'm open to just, just DM me and chat. I always reply to um, people who, who want to chat and stuff like that. Uh, so connect me with there. I'm, I'm also on Spotify, Apple Music and Bandcamp. Just search Roger Heathers and I've got a bunch of albums out. Uh, so that's, that's me. Uh, how about you, Declan? Where can people find you and your music? Uh, you can find me on Facebook, on YouTube, search Declan Kitchen and Music for both of them. Uh, you can find me on Instagram as well. I may not respond to messages because I am terrified of social interaction, Declan but I will get round to it. Instagram. <laughs> I, ha I do sometimes, but uh, I'll get round to it in like a month or so. It's fine. I haven't forgot about <laughs> you. <laughs> um, you can also find uh, my music on Bandcamp and Spotify and iTunes and Apple Music and the, and the fun services. Uh, I have an album and an EP. Uh, both are filled with heavy guitars. Neither of them are particularly rock and roll. Although, arguably, you could make the case that some of Apathy is a little bit grungy, which is hmm. quite relevant because guess what the theme is for next week? Jazz. Yep. <laughs> Got it in one. Uh, it is going to be grunge music, which is going to be interesting because we write heavy songs. We've written some discordant stuff before, but I don't think I've ever actually like fully taken the leap into grunge. So this is going to be an interesting one. Um, now, grunge. What is grunge? It, it's Nirvana. <laughs> That's basically the answer, isn't it? <laughs> Nirvana is grunge. Uh, it's Nirvana, Pearl Jam, I think Soundgarden count. Like loads of, basically just those alternative bands from the 90s can, that sort of got very, very heavy. Can I, can I ask something? Um, does, yes. does Smashing Pumpkins count as grunge? Because they're a 90s heavy rock band. Let me go to their Wikipedia page and check. Oh, man, I hope they do because... 
they're, they're one of my favorite bands. And I've, uh, if I can, I want to write a song like that, like a Simon's well, Dream song. Well, I mean, um, you could write a uh, a feeder song because they technically count as sort of post grunge, I think, or some of their albums count as grunge. Hmm. Uh, Siamese Dream, you said. Let's have a look at that album and see whether it counts as grunge. I hope all of this is staying in in the wrap up. Oh yeah. Uh, this is the loosest is... episode we've ever done, so of course it will. <laughs> I like doing the episodes. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this from now on. I'm not gonna be all. Hi guys, welcome to the show anymore. I'm done with that. Siamese <laughs> uh, Dream, genre, alternative rock, grunge, alternative yes. metal, psychedelic rock, indie rock. Uh, yeah, cool. You, you can do that. That is a thing that you can do. Uh, Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness counts as grunge as well. And I think uh, Gish will as well, if I just double check. Yeah, that's grunge too. Brilliant. I just want to read this a sec. Grunge is an alternative rock genre and subculture that emerged during the mid-1980s in the American Pacific Northwest state of Washington, uh, particularly in Seattle and nearby towns. Grunge fuses elements of punk rock and heavy metal, but without punk structure and speed. And it actually says here, um, Smashing Pumpkin Siamese Dream is definitely grunge. So, Well, is that actually legit the sentence word for word? Uh, yep, and it said, uh, Roger, if you want to do this for the next challenge, then just go right ahead. Awesome. Well, I'll be listening to Nevermind on repeat, and he'll be listening to Siamese Dream. We'll see what we come up with. <laughs> I actually think our, our results will be quite similar next week. I don't know why I think that, but I just think because I know you and I know me, you know. And you know our feelings on grunge, our collective feelings. You know my feelings on grunge. <laughs> Awful music. I remember when they first invented grunge, I always hated it. <laughs> yeah, I was hating grunge before it even existed. Now, grunge is cool. Grunge is emotional release. It's edgy. It's edgelord supreme territory, and I absolutely love it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, one thing with grunge, grunge was like the first thing I liked. Musically. I mean, yeah, you were like really into like uh, heavy rock, grunge, metal, that kind of thing uh, early on in your career. Career. career i was 12 <laughs> <laughs> like your your instrument playing career yeah, definitely. and and i wasn't i came to this stuff later so it's gonna be interesting that's like the fundamental how difference. did we start doing next week's episode now in the wrap-up of the <laughs> previous one well you're first this week so we're about to listen to your song what's it called <laughs> oh um it's called uh why why a thousand times why and it goes like this I wanna die no I don't we're in a global pandemic that's a terrible thing to say I like, I like that sort of fast rap verse you had at the end there no that, I don't cause me. a global pandemic and I don't wanna die <laughs> stick a fork in oh. my eye <laughs> stick oh, a dear. drop a spoon in my eye <laughs> Full Circle. <laughs> Isn't Full Circle the name of a grunge band? No, I'm thinking of Typo Negative, which is, doesn't even sound the same. Okay, I think my brain's broken now. We should stop podcasting. Right. We have clearly gone insane. So we shall see you next week with two actual grunge songs. Thanks for listening. Ta-ra. Ta-ra. <laughs> oh my goodness, what's happening to us?